0: Tom, it'd be awesome to get started with a little bit of your journey into the world of veganism. What's brought you here?
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, And thanks for having me. Uh, So I guess it all started really with how I was raised and that was as a vegetarian, which at the time, being born in the 80s, was uh, somewhat unusual. Um, A lot of raised eyebrows when I would tell people that. And you know, the funny thing is back then as well, it was harder to be a vegetarian, I think, than it is to be a vegan now, which is interesting. Mm. Because uh, people mm-hmm. sometimes come say like, "Oh, veganism—it's it's too difficult, it's too hard." And I always think, "Should have been a vegetarian like 30 <laughs> odd years ago. That, that was hard." <laughs> uh, but I—I I always had it because I was raised that way. I always had a really deep, what I considered a you know like a deep connection to animals. And um, you know, we had dogs growing up. And um, weirdly, actually, my um, so when I was as a kid, my at the time now obviously i look back at this and it doesn't sit right with me but as a kid it did because uh, i didn't really understand it but my dad used to run a zoo so mm. um he would some sometimes like it was like a, um, a small holding animal zoo mm. uh, and what that meant was he would um they'd have a lot of rescue animals there and stuff so a lot of it was it's quite nice what they were doing but obviously i still fundamentally now absolutely disagree with the concept but mm-hmm. he would bring these animals back home and so like I would at one point we had a monkey in our house and then right. you know, we had a penguin in our house that my dad w- would have to hand rear because one of the penguins had had two baby chicks and they'd abandoned one so mm. they would die so my dad had to bring it back hand rear then it got reintroduced to them and stuff and as a kid I mean that stuff was amazing yeah because <laughs> yeah. you don't you don't really think about I suppose the other side of it, or do you don't think about the animals are actually in captivity? Um, so obviously, as I say, I look back at that now, and it makes me quite uncomfortable um, the whole concept. But as a kid, I think what it actually probably did was gave me a greater, at the time, a greater love for animals. Um, and so, at some point, as the years passed, I I was exposed to the horrors of like the egg industry and the dairy industry and i was probably like a, an ignorant vegetarian up to that point in mm. that i'd never really considered veganism as a concept because i thought i was doing enough and that kind of changed my whole world and really changed the way i look at you know we look at the food system going forward look at um, our relationship with animals and from there on have been i've basically been a vegan so that that kind of started from 2015 and i would say officially in 2017 i identified as a vegan i made sure that everything in my life be it clothes, be it products or food, was cruelty free um, to the absolute best of my ability, and that's kind of got me to where I am now. I would
0: say, looking back, and that's it's a fascinating sort of journey, especially the aspects of like a zoo and penguins and all kind like just just an amazing, an amazing kind of like journey into it. But thinking about you know that that concept of being a vegetarian and I'm doing it, I'm doing enough. When you look back. Did you encounter, you know, folks whether they labelled themselves vegan or otherwise, but folks who were who were kind of almost pushing you to to think wider, to do more? And can you remember, like, any and having any kind of reaction to those folks, like thinking, well, now that's too extreme? Was that kind of in your uh, in your journey somewhere? Yeah,
1: I don't think it was really because I think people viewed me then as the extreme one, right? Because I grew up in a in a little seaside town, and so we, we didn't we didn't have much of anything going on really <laughs> so um i was probably me being uh being a ginger kid <laughs> and being uh vegetarian was weird as it got <laughs> <laughs> so i was probably like i was the closest thing to diversity i think in that town right. uh, and so um yeah i, I mean I, I certainly for a long time i think not until my teenage years i had even really heard of the term veganism yeah mm. um, so it was. I mean, and that was actually only because my dad then, dad gave up dairy like decades ago, and he was on the path to veganism quite a lot before uh, I was. But I sp- actually, I suppose I probably looked at what he was doing as quite extreme at the time because back then, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how long you've um, you've been on your vegan journey, but there was a a period where the the alternative milks were were terrible, mm. and my my dad is an avid tea drinker and he used to uh, he was rotating through trying to find the best replacement for cow's milk and he found um, one called rice milk because right. it was way before Alpro and everything and Oatly and all of that and this rice milk was basically you had to use like a, a full jug of it just to make your tea change colour like it was <laughs> it was the most horrendous looking thing and you'd have bits floating in your tea and I remember looking at that and thinking oh yeah I couldn't I
0: couldn't do that <laughs> That's really really fascinating. Like, yeah, having having that kind of experience because I guess like to to folks and you know we'll get onto the film and stuff. So in 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 a bit, but I guess to folks you know who are not vegan at the moment that they may still even though we know the world is a lot easier now than it than it was then. But I imagine that's probably still in some people's minds. You know the kind of the the stereotypes of all, all, all we're all eating is leaves and grass and that, that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's kind of a fascinating like journey in thinking about, um, you know, the growing up as a vegetarian, like you said, you were the diversity in your small town and things like that. Uh, <laughs> do you think that that's kind of prepared you for how to, uh, how to have conversations with kind of non-vegan folks nowadays? Do you think that you, you kind of, as a result had a, had a long runway into where you are at now in terms of conversing with with folks who have a completely different worldview.
1: Yeah, I would say so. I probably didn't realise it at the time either, but um, it did set me on an interesting path, and it's it's made my own journey quite, I suppose, a somewhat unique one. And um, but I definitely because I mean I can draw on some of those experiences and like I briefly mentioned before when people because people still do say it, it's difficult and it's extreme and it's too mm. challenging to like, how, what do you even eat? Like I still frequently get people ask me that. And, and so obviously it's quite nice when I can be like, well, let me, not only can I tell you the abundance of foods I do eat now, let me tell you what it used to be like.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And um yeah, I think all of it's, I suppose, helps you in some way in, in how you communicate with others um, because that's that in itself is a real skill as well, isn't it? Because mm. there's so many times you can try and talk to people, and some people are, are amazing at this as well, and some people I think are terrible at it. Um, and I don't, I don't know what I am myself personally, but like, <laughs> there's definitely a right way and a wrong way to try and uh, connect or engage someone on, on the topic of veganism. And the approach I've learned, uh, or I think I've found that works quite well, is finding what matters to them. Because mm. somebody has something that they'll be interested in, whether it's the fitness angle or whether it's the welfare side of things or the environment, you sort of narrow it down there and find the particular niche that you know that will resonate with them, mm. and then then you've you've typically got them, I think, or at least you've got the opportunity to, ha- to have a conversation there. So um, it's but it, like I say, I think it's an art form, and um, I think it's something I'm still constantly trying to work on to figure out the best approach there.
0: Thinking about like filmmaking, let's just get into that. Because what was the kind of journey into that like? Because you know, were you were you a uh, an an avid sort of cineast from from young? You know, where where did it begin? Oh yeah, I was. um, Two of the things uh, that I'm absolutely
1: obsessed with in in life is um, film and music, Mm. and um, I I always knew like I was the only things really I thought I would do would be either working within film or working in music in some form. And um, I think from a young age, uh, film started to take over a bit. So I always played guitar and I, was, and I always sort of played in bands and stuff. But yeah, that was just also chaotic and I could never picture that as a career. Whereas mm. there was something about film where... I, uh, I I realised I could go to uni and, and actually study film and then I could actually just pick up a camera and go and make films. And I just felt more drawn to that. Uh, and as I say, I was absolutely obsessed with films. I used to have the biggest video collection, you can imagine, um, when I was a kid. <laughs> it saddens me to think that I had to get, you know, at some, I don't even know where they are. They're destroyed somewhere, but mm-hmm. probably worth something now as well. Um, <laughs> but I uh, <laughs> that, that slowly changed to DVD and then... Obviously, Blu rays and whatnot, but yeah, film is, it's been something that's, I don't know, it's like, it's like my go to for if I, if I need picking up or if I feel like I, um, I just need to lose myself in something. And now working in the film industry, it's, it's kind of changed into, it's what I dive into something that if, when I'm obviously wanting to create, and that just serves a whole other purpose for me. Yeah. And um it's it's just a really it's a really interesting job to have, I think. because uh, I remember going back to like growing up in a very really small town as well. I remember when I said, oh, I'm gonna go to uni and I'm gonna go and study film. And I remember people's responses to me were just like, well, that's not a career. You know, what are you thinking? <laughs> you can't go and do that. Um, it's like, well, you, you need to get a real job. And <laughs> it's like I was like, okay, well, I'm still going to go and try and do this. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that was kind of the mentality of where I grew up, I think. But then at some point, what I really liked is that I, I was able to combine my other big love, which is veganism, and, and sort of bring that into the work I do in films. So yeah. I, I slowly got into like activist films. Uh, I was partnering with a lot of big organizations who were making really great films around animal welfare or environments and that kind of thing. And then that eventually led me to I Could Never Go Vegan, which is obviously the documentary we have coming out, which was a, um, a massive three and a half year undertaking, um, which I had no idea it would be as challenging as it was. Um, I'd still, I think I would have done it because, you know, it's, it's totally worth it, but it was definitely hard work.
0: What what sort of got you onto the path of I'm going to make a documentary? Because you know I can, I can understand obviously, you know being being vegan and being a uh, being a filmmaker yourself, the two kind of naturally go together. But with the, with the same token, there's there's a ton of vegan films out there. There's lots of documentaries and so on. As you said, it's it's not an easy thing to <laughs> to undertake. So so what kind of made you think you know what this is? This is a space I have a story to tell in.
1: Yeah, I think. Actually, what it probably was was because of my own journey and upbringing, and um, because I've been raised, you know, without ever eating meat, I thought, wouldn't that be an interesting angle to mm. to present? Because there are a lot of vegan documentaries. You're right, uh, but I thought this is potentially something that I've, at least myself, I've, I've never quite witnessed it and like told in this way before. And then I I brought my brother on board. So I work a lot with my brother, who's a he's a producer and a screenwriter, and um, he's really good at kind of like bringing through a narrative and helping sort the structure and that sort of thing. And he was like, "What if you kind of phrase it as I could never go vegan because it's a pretty catchy title and will stand out to either side?" And he's like, "And what if you actually you're talking about the." all the arguments that you've heard growing up um, because he was raised the same as me as a veggie. Mm. Uh, And so we kind of, then it became our story and it's like, okay, so I'm going to put myself on this journey and I'm just going to, I'm literally going to reflect on all the arguments I have heard, like the things that people say to me and then go and each argument will take me to a different person who a different professional in their field. Mm. And they can, they can effectively debunk what I, I've been told, and we can go in whether it's health, whether it's to do with environment, uh, environments, land use, water use, whether it's sports related. And I'm going uh, speaking to all of these various different athletes, whatever it might be, um, it'll send me on the path. And then it kind of comes full circle where I do this big journey, and then we, we get to the end of the film. And once we'd got that nailed down, we thought, actually, this could be really cool. And so that really just set us on the path of of making the film and yeah, I mean, little did I know it would take so long. Uh, I'd heard documentaries um, of this scope do kind of take a ridiculously long time, and particularly because we had a pandemic in the middle of it all, that yeah. didn't help. <laughs> uh, we, yeah, we had to strip the. Interestingly, though, we had to strip the crew back, like to get things really small, uh, because it was it would you know we just couldn't film with a uh, with a big crew, mm. which was fine for us though because we didn't have a big budget. And um, as for most of it, it turned into just me and James, my brother, who we were going around and we're going to say. So let's if we use Shireen Kassam as an example, who's mm. uh, one of the most like amazing people I've ever met. Shireen, I love the work she's doing. So for Shireen, it would just be a case of going to Shereen's house, setting up filming and then sort of spending a few hours just chatting and drinking a tea and having some vegan food and then going home and it turned into this really lovely experience mm. and that's kind of what we did with everyone. So we almost made it a, actually, we're going to keep this super informal and laid back and we, we basically formed these wonderful friendships with everyone who's in the film because we we filmed it in a, in a different kind of more personal way where we yeah. didn't turn up with like this huge crew and just take over their entire house and rig it up with everything. And so it was an, it was an interesting experience, um, to be honest, but one that like, I'll, I reflect on it now and I just like oh, really miss actually really miss going th- on that journey. Cause <laughs> it like was a journey for us making it as well. And um, obviously deep into post-production now, which has been a whole other experience, a bit more stressful I'm not yeah. going to miss that as much, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, it should be. Um, I'm pleased to say it anyway, it should be coming out in the in the very not too distant future. So we're, we're at the very very final stages, gone through all the legal sign offs that we have to go through, which took months upon months. Mm. Um, given some of the some of the footage that's in there and things, which not giving too much away, but I'm sure you can imagine. There's some things, um, there's investigations and all sorts. So we had to. Yeah. There was various hoops we had to jump through but it's looking promising for release very soon. I
0: oh, can't wait. I really can't. That 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 fascinates me that idea of you having to strip things back, you know, the kind of uh often you know creativity uh is I think you know brought to the brought to the fore kind of um expanded by uh constriction you know constraint is is kind of a friend of creativity if you like there's somebody who said that much better than i just have but uh, (laughs) but but thinking about that what you went through in that experience of making it did you did you kind of it sounds to me like the word that comes out is like community like you've almost discovered more of a vegan community in the journey of making the film which you know when you've described that initial narrative of you know what we're here to do is to debunk each of these myths that uh, that I've kind of heard over the course of my life. Did it did it actually end up shaping the narrative slightly differently? That actually look at this this kind of abundant and diverse community that exists within veganism.
1: Uh, yeah, it did a bit actually. Yeah, um, because uh, and actually that was um, something you mentioned there is like really key for what we wanted to share. Uh, that's one thing I think uh, a lot of the uh, previous films maybe have had a lack of, and that's diversity. And mm. one thing we were keen was to show, it, it almost to be like a current snapshot of, of modern day Britain. And we're really, really proud of like how that's represented in the film. And like, we really do have a huge variety of people from all walks of life um sharing their own story and advice and um, opinions on certain topics. So we're really happy with that. And then, um, yeah, and I think when you mentioned community as well, it, it does feel like we we sort of built this um, this huge community, and um, it's so lovely because I mean various projects I'm doing now, I'm working with these people who who I filmed and then have just as I mentioned formed these amazing friendships with, and it's it's strange to me to think now like none none of that w- would have happened really um, mm-hmm. if I hadn't have picked up that camera and just gone out and got that first bit of footage three and a half years ago. Uh, so yeah, it's it's it has been such an interesting experience, and uh, I think you're right as well. When when you're making anything like this, like a documentary, things do change as you're going through it, mm. and because something might happen, a new bit of. Um, Say a new bit of literature might be published, and it might actually shape or change an argument slightly, uh, which can also be very annoying. By the way, we've had to change, <laughs> we've had to change some things. Um, even up up to literally like sort of a week or two ago, we had to take something at uh, one start out because it had changed slightly, and I'm like, oh, you really? can. It's quite easy to see why. Yeah, when these films come out, people then make videos about them and like, oh well, they got this wrong, they got this wrong. It's because mm. things change all the time. It's so difficult, and it's almost like you have to, you have to sort of caveat it by saying, this was accurate at this date. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If if you're watching two years on, things may change. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, the definitely the, there's a real community that we we're, um felt like we were a part of while making it and that's also what i love about veganism is it is a it, uh, its own community isn't it like everybody yeah. everybody's so passionate everybody so wants to help so much like everyone in in the film i can never go vegan nobody got paid to feature in there they do it because mm. they absolutely love what they're doing and they want to they want to share this message and i mean that's amazing like you can't ask for anything more than that and like i for people to give their time and do that for free is, is incredible. And like, so we can obviously can't thank them enough.
0: It sounds like you did, but did you, did you learn quite a bit in this process? Cause you know, you've, you've been vegan for a fair while, you've been vegetarian for much longer. You've been in and around these kind of arguments and these debates for a long time. Uh, and like you like you said, yourself and your brother are shaping the, the kind of narrative. You go into a documentary with some kind of plan, although you've got to be agile and, like you say, a bit fleet of foot when it comes to things changing and so on. But was there anything that really kind of stood out to you where you thought... Do you know what? Actually, I I didn't have a clue about that or that is a subject that I thought I knew and I, and, that, and now I discover I didn't.
1: Yeah, to be fair, there, there were a few uh, moments like that. So because I've been vegan a while, I, I felt like I had a good grasp of the health side of things because that's one of the things I really dove into when I first mm. became vegan because I was just quite fascinated by it all. And kind of similar with the welfare side because it was the welfare stuff really that made me basically change overnight, you know, because mm. once you've seen that stuff, you can't ever justify it. The thing that's the, the part for me that I really learned a lot about was the environmental side of things. And we are fortunate to have some really great experts cover um, some great topics there. Um, Amir Kassam, who's um, actually Shireen's dad, mm. and uh, George Monbiot, who is a really you know, prolific figure and really well-spoken in this subject. Uh, I mean, he we got him at the right time because he'd just written his book, His new, his latest book, and as as a result, he was just filled with knowledge, and he Mm. had all the stats. He didn't even want any questions up front. He didn't need anything. He was like, "Nope, just turn up, film me." He's like, "Ask me anything you want, and I'll answer." And he just reeled everything off, and it was incredible. And I mean, we could have made a whole film just with George, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, Um, but it. (laughs) So I, I learned tons and so much that like we had to leave out as well just because we couldn't fit it in the film.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but there was so many stats uh, that he threw out that yeah, I I was quite shocked by and I was like oh, I didn't didn't really know that. So that's that birds well because I feel like you know I've been a been a vegan a long time and feel like I know uh, quite a lot about this. But if even I'm sort of learning on this as well, that's that's really cool. And I have to give a obviously a big shout out to my brother here again because although I planned the story with James. He actually wrote the screenplay, and a lot of people mm. don't realize a documentary has a screenplay. Because you think of screenplay for like narrative fiction. Yeah. But he um oh, the the hours and hours that he spent like just putting all the studies together and and having to go through everything and making sure it was worded just right. So you know it would it was saying what it needed to, we weren't gonna face criticism and all of this. Like, I, I can't imagine how difficult it must have been for him. So when he'd send me back the screenplay after we'd done every draft, um, I was like, oh, that's that's an interesting stand. Mm. Uh, or sometimes I'd be like, oh, that doesn't make sense, James. I don't know why you've written this. <laughs> if I don't understand <laughs> it, I, I don't think the audience will understand it. <laughs> um, But yeah, so there was definitely um, some things mainly in the environmental section, but there was also a lot with regards to just the process of making it. I learned loads about that because I, I it was the first feature Doc had made so feature length, um, it's going to come in at about 97 minutes. Right. And uh, that in itself was a was a huge experience because, <laughs> like, for example, the the length it takes to go through legal sign-off. If you'd have told me we'd have been battling for four or five months just to get a sign-off on a little piece of paper, I'd have been like, what the hell are you talking about? Why? Mm. <laughs> so things like that. Whew, yeah, that's been a big lesson. <laughs>
0: i was I was going to ask about the you and you touched upon it just then about you know you chatting to to, to George mombio and 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 having to leave out things and then you you know there's the legal aspects and so on and it, you know there's there's the runtime and there's all these kind of aspects. and the the kind of you know, and I'm just thinking of this from the podcast editing editing experience, which is nothing like making a feature film far easier. <laughs> But um, I know, uh, to a a, a tiny degree, the pain of uh, of editing. Um, What What was that process like? Like the editing process, and and trying to to choose things that you knew would resonate with an audience, and then thinking about which audience we want this to resonate with. You know, because I'd imagine there's an element of there's probably you've probably got in the the sort of the the virtual cutting room. Three or four versions of this film. I can envisage a film that speaks purely to vegans and is preaching to the choir. I can think of a film that's the complete opposite, a film that's total clickbait. There's, there's so many versions you could make out of the same kind of journey. What was that process like for you? Yeah, difficult. <laughs> <laughs> like the, it's the
1: the hardest thing I've ever had to edit, edit in my life. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I mean. It's been such a huge uh, process in post-production. I mean, we were also, we were editing it before we'd finished filming. And the only reason we did, we started that is because we had to make a dent and we had, we had so mm. much footage to go through and we were just trying to get ahead of ourselves to give ourselves a bit of chance where it, you know it wouldn't take months upon months, which it ended up taking because it was just uh, enormous um, to the point where like six months after you've started editing, you're still making changes because you keep going back to it. And I mean, the first, the first cut was over two hours long, right. which was uh, like, we did that. And we were like, at one point I just thought I looked at James and I was like, maybe we just have to make a two hour film. And then everyone <laughs> around us was like, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, damn. Okay. So we managed, we did some private audience test screenings. Then for them, we'd got it down to about an hour 50 by then. And then the whole purpose was we wanted the audiences to come in and it was a real good mix as well of vegans, um, non-vegans and then sort of flexitarians in the middle. And w- weirdly what we found from the test screenings is we had a, a huge impact on the, um, on the non-vegans, which is exactly what mm. we wanted because obviously they're the people we're trying to reach at the yeah. end of the day. And, um, I mean, to the point where people were writing on the feedback forms, like, I'm going vegan, I'm doing it. And I was like, that's amazing. This isn't even the finished film.
0: (laughs) Wow, that's incredible.
1: uh, But those test screenings were so valuable because people basically gave us the feedback we needed to cut what we needed to cut. So off the back of that, we then got another 10 minutes off. Then we went through another round of feedback, got another 10 minutes off, and finally got it to where we're at now, where it feels really polished at 97 minutes, which we're happy with because that seems a a reasonable length of time for people to invest in something like this. And because it is such a, it feels slightly different to the other vegan films in that we tackle so much. It's like, you know, we we don't want it to feel like it's, it's so rushed that you don't get the full sense of the scope of it all. But at the same time, we don't want people to feel like they're spending their entire life watching this film. So we think we've got, we've we've struck a good balance now, Uh, but in terms of, I mean, I would go as far to say, going back to the editing, mm. I don't think I'll ever edit anything as difficult as this in my life. Like it was such an ambitious first documentary to make. Part of me wonders like what we we're ever thinking. <laughs> Cause it's it, it, it This when you've when you interview so many people and you've got so much footage to capture and, and you go into so many different places and but you're having to do it as such a tiny crew, like the whole process is so difficult. And then you like so when piecing it together in the edit, you're kind of thinking, Well, like, I've got five different takes from people I could use here. Which one do we use? And then it's almost like, I mean, it's, a, I suppose that's a good problem to have, but it's still, a, it could cause a bit of a headache for you when you're thinking, I, oh, I can't even begin to to put together who needs to go in this bit and then how we're, how this transitions us to this bit. And sometimes you just, you know, you feel like you're banging your head against the wall trying to figure it all out, but you just keep chipping away at it and then eventually uh, it's patience. That's what I've learned, it's patience. Um, you've just got to keep chipping away, getting feedback Returning to the room again and and repeating the process, <laughs> we got there in the end.
0: <laughs> has it um has it put you off the process? Do you do you can you see another documentary in the pipeline? <laughs> has it has it wet wet your appetite or or perhaps put you off?
1: Well, so I'm I am directing a, a second feature documentary at the moment, but it's really it's so much easier because it's um, it's so much more stripped back compared to what I what we did with I can never go vegan. Which is nice. That's what I needed uh, for the for the next projects. Um, I definitely didn't need something as as big as I could never go vegan, um, just because it, you know I think it would have it would have done me in. That would have been me out of <laughs> filmmaking. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so uh, it's it's not it's not killed the process for me, but it, it's definitely made me um, maybe think about what my next project was going to be. That's not to say I would never return to something like I can never go vegan though, because I think. Once you've had a few months away, you forget any all of the stresses, and you just think about the good stuff, don't you? So,
0: yeah,
1: I'm sure I'll do something like it again. Um, and as I say, most of what I do will be in the vegan space anyway.
0: Yeah do Do you think there's space for for veganism to show up in other forms? You know, I'm thinking there's there's been some recent uh, a recent fairly high profile example actually of sort of veganism in a in a sort of fictional space in a in a film. Um, hmm. And, you know, but, but it's fairly isolated. There's not many, many kind of fiction-based uh, with vegan themes kind of films. Do you think that's an avenue to explore at some point?
1: It's funny you mention that. I <laughs> actually have an idea that I really want to pursue where it's, I won't go into too much detail, but basically it's a show and um, the show isn't actually about veganism, but veganism's a common theme, like a thread mm. throughout mm. everything. And it's never actually mentioned, but it's just there and it's present. And the reason for that is because it's just, I want to normalize the basically the idea of veganism to people. So when an audience is watching this, they're, they're aware that it's there. And like, you know, even if it's mm-hmm. ingrained in their subconscious, it's not so aware, but they they, don't, they have an understanding of its presence. It's like, oh, these people are just doing normal things, Um, but they're they're enjoying vegan food and it's like, oh, okay, we don't have to make a thing about that. We don't have to highlight it. It'd be nice to have that sort of thing, I think, definitely. Because I don't really feel like that exists too much now. Even in some of the vegan books, I think it's still probably a bit more about that, whereas it's not just making it a whole normal experience for people.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're right. There's, There's usually, the intention is to talk solely about veganism as opposed to showing veganism as just a normal thing that people do um and that that's kind of interesting because i think that's a whole new avenue to to help uh you know demystify and kind of you know make it more approachable for folks and things like that rather than them thinking okay well if i if i join the cult of veganism then this is who i need to become and i need to be an advocate for it now most of us who are in that world of course we're quite happy to be (laughs) <laughs> to be that <laughs> and to, to, uh you know i certainly am you know um but you know i i can I, when i think about my non-vegan sort of friends and and family one of the things that sort of concerns them almost is that it changes who they are uh and sort of mm. showing showing that in fictional form that actually the, these people are just they are people who have all the same uh woes and joys and all the rest of it but are oh, vegan? I think that's that's a fab idea. I look forward to that one, and and maybe less less uh, difficult to edit than <laughs> than, uh, yeah. than a documentary. Yeah, I so. <laughs> turn yeah. into um, <laughs> turning into running on plants because um, you're involved in that. Where, where did the the sort of passion for for running and running great distances come from? Yeah, so that
1: actually started at a young age as well. I I think I so I. The the closest city to where I grew up was Hull and um, I used to run for uh, the City of Hull Athletics Club and I joined at eight years old Uh, and I I remember this really well because I was a year too young basically but they let me join uh, the under 11s a year early Uh, and this was because um, my brother my older brother and my dad both ran and I being like um sort of looking up to them I was like I want to run as well I want to do this um and so I, they basically gave in and let me join hmm. and so I've been running pretty much ever since then I've, I've stopped here and there all, along the way but I, as, a, as a kid like I had some good um some pretty successful wins um I got some pretty uh, somewhat prestigious medals I suppose I got a bronze medal at the Northern Cross Country Championships which I was quite happy with that was probably my highlight and then um it's been something that because of, uh, you know it was always a part of my childhood a bit like um, being meat free uh, it just it sort of shaped who i was and it's always been with me and it's like my go to therapy i suppose mm. whenever it, it it really does provide me with like clarity it clears my head it makes it just gives me a, a huge <laughs> runner's high and anytime i go out like i get such an enormous sense of oh, I just, I just love running. I love being out here and, and moving my body in this way. It makes me feel so good physically, mentally, particularly if you go and run on the trails, which I know mm. not everyone can do, sadly. But if you can, like, there's something about just being out in, in the open country and just running on those trails. And it's like a feeling of freedom. That That's how I probably describe it. It's um, And it's one of those things, unless you're, unless you're a runner and you've experienced that, it's, it's kind of hard to mm. explain why it's so addictive. And so the idea for Running On Plants was, um, was to try and basically give people a chance to experience that and, and encourage and motivate them, but also give them tons of resources. So uh, what we're trying to do is uh, have people on the 1st of June log a 5K. And this is effectively to set a benchmark time so they can see where they're at. So they've got like, right, this is, this is where I am. This is what I'm going to try and build on. Then throughout June, we... Uh, we supply people with a training plan, so it can be a beginner, intermediate, or advanced, uh, and it can be adapted as well to people to suit people's ability. Uh, and then we've got a huge amount of nutritional informa- information on the website on runningonplants.org. So we're partnered with plant-based health professionals and we're partnered with Switch for Good in America. And there's some great resources there. So whether you're looking for fact sheets from uh, plant-based health professionals, which talk just around basically how to avoid chronic disease and the best foods to do that and and the foods to fuel you for running and that kind of thing. Or with Switch for Good, we've got like this huge plant-based playbook, which is more on the elite side of things, but it's a fascinating Mm -hmm. read. It's enormous as well. And it's talking about these uh, Olympic vegan athletes from various disciplines and what they were doing to thrive in their sport. And we've also got the um, loads of recipes, delicious food, because that's obviously a thing that people struggle with is that the food to cook and there's Mm. tons of Whole food recipes. So, you're really giving your body the food it needs. Uh, and then a whole load of other resources as well, and um, videos, that kind of thing. And the idea is that through the month of June, people can take all this on. And then at the end of June, they'll log a second 5K and hopefully celebrate when they absolutely smash their time. And it's like, wow, I can't believe how good I feel. And, you know, I'm eating these whole plant foods. I'm running. I never thought I'd be doing this. And they, you know, want to continue with this lifestyle.
0: So the campaign now now sort of launched and out out in the world and folks are kind of aware of it and we're approaching the the sign up date and so on and so forth. Uh, have you seen much kind of uh, interest from folks? Have folks kind of uh, uh, come to you? Perhaps weren't uh, you know weren't vegan? Were perhaps looking for a way in? Have you heard any of those kind of stories?
1: Yeah, it's been um, been going pretty well so far. I um, obviously I really want to drive as many sign ups as possible, so. Mm. Um, but definitely, seem to have had a good mix. Uh, I've noticed there's a lot of people as well who were sharing and encouraging their friends to join up with them, which I think is really great because I think that's a good way to try and stick with it as well, to try and do it with somebody, and um, motivate someone. I mean, it's a bit... The thing is, it's a bit more of an ask than, like, say, Veganuary because we're not just asking people to change what they're eating. We're asking them to actually take up running as well. And yeah. a lot of people don't like running, (laughs) which is why we are keen to encourage people, you know, if, if you can't run, say you've got an an old injury or say there's another issue, perhaps, um, walking, you know, is fine moving your body. There's we're we're encouraging people just to get outside and move because there's so much evidence that just doing that alone is, is so good for our health. So we're trying to be as inclusive as we possibly can with it. Or even if you want to cycle your way through it, for example, Mm. my uncle, um cat one because of an old injury. And he uh, but he cycles a lot. And I'm like I said to him, sign up, just get cycling. I'm not gonna hold it against you because you're not running. Mm. <laughs> um, so we but so far, yeah, we've had a good mix of of um what I think would be vegans and non-vegans. and um, it's one of the questions we ask when people sign up, so we can actually look at that data at the end as well, which I'll be really interested to do just to get a sense of you know how many people actually have come from a non-vegan lifestyle and have taken this on which which will be really cool so um, still a, still a couple of weeks before we kick off yet so I'm still hoping to keep driving the ups and get people involved to take part and, and honestly I think I think people will enjoy it more than they more than they realise and I say that for the people who who perhaps don't like running because I think people only don't like running just because they've not got to a point where they've really experienced like the beauty of running because yeah. running's hard at first it really is even if, I know if I'm, say if I'm working away for a bit and I miss a lot of training and then I, I get a run in, I feel awful mm. and I'm like, oh, what, what's happened to me? <laughs> but yeah. give it give it three, four runs into sort of training again and all of a sudden it's starting to click a couple of weeks in and then you're starting to think, oh yeah, this is feeling so much easier than it was. It's just consistency. That's really all it is. And it's when you get to that point that you really start to enjoy running, I think, so it's just trying to encourage people and motivate them to get to that point so they realize that they love this because you can't put a price on feeling good nothing nothing is as good as feeling healthy um, mm. in my opinion and that's as i say that is what we want people to to experience when they take part in this challenge
0: i think you know we 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 talked about over the course of this chat various ways to to kind of communicate veganism if you like and i think you know this is just another another way and a fantastic one too that will will inevitably you know if you go on any form of training plan like this and certainly if you like you say you discover the the joy of running you you will absolutely feel the benefit i mean there's no doubt about that I, uh, similarly um went on a kind of journey similar to this a, a while back um with running. And it was actually before I went vegan. And and I had I really thought there is no way I can run more than a mile. Like it's just not possible. And like you say, it's all about the slow build up. You know, I remember starting with half a mile and thinking you know I'm pleased I've managed to do that I didn't think I could run that far and then before you know it you're doing a 5k a 10k half marathon and then a marathon and you know these things they do sort of it, it creeps up on you but I also share that that you know you don't do it for a little while and and it is a little painful to get back in but it does come quickly mm. again you know it it can come back so um but but certainly like you know from a mental health standpoint you know and this is a personal perspective but um Like you say, the clarity, uh, the 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 sort of there's a process. I think your your brain kind of sorts out what's been going on. It's almost like a uh, like a subconscious reset. I find like it just helps me to order things that are somewhere in my mind and I haven't necessarily been thinking about them. A bit like I guess how when you sleep, that sort of does a similar kind of thing. I find that with running is a sort of a. A cathartic organisation process going on in your brain whilst you're running. It's um that can't really be replicated by many other things.
1: Yeah, I, I think you summed it up perfectly there. You're absolutely right, and that's what I mean by. It's one of those things you have to experience that, don't you? Because it's quite hard to explain mm. that to someone as well. Because, like my my wife, for example, like hates running. Like absolutely hates running, and I've tried my best to to get her into things even uh, I've made some mistakes along the way I will admit Uh, like (laughs) I signed her up for a 15k in the Lake District (laughs) and uh, she hasn't run since then so that was a terrible idea I could do it yeah (laughs) (laughs) just out of the blue I was like right I've got a surprise for you and uh, she was probably thinking of something really nice and I was like we're doing a 15k together in the Lake District (laughs) it's like the worst thing I could have (laughs) done
0: She thought you might but, um, have found a, a, an amazing restaurant to take her to, but instead you'd find her, yeah, no, to a 15K. her out to nice <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
1: but uh, there's there's definitely something uh, uh, in that that I that I really hope people will experience when they take mm-hmm. on this challenge. Um, I hope you sign up for it yourself, then, as well as someone oh, who's 100%. got a bit of a background in money.
0: Hundred percent, yeah, because it it has. Um, so yeah, I I I, I did. I ran for a fair while then got to like 2018 and I had a meniscus tear and um and went through a whole period of physio and stuff like this and then and then kind of have ultimately stopped doing it. I went to cycling and uh weirdly although this doesn't help my meniscus at all play football and a bit of rugby and things like that and uh and a bit of ice hockey and stuff like that none of which help my meniscus but they're all they're all good fun but uh running for some reason is one that I I haven't uh, in any sort to any serious degree entered back into the odd 5k etc but um it's certainly actually like you know i was watching the running on plants promo trailer that, that you shot and uh that absolutely made me think you know what i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna venture back into this because i do miss all of that as you were talking about it being uh being good for your your kind of your, your mindset it did take me back to what why i enjoyed it in the first place so I, I will be there i'll be signed up june 1st
1: <laughs> amazing yeah cuz you know you can have a you can have a stressful day say at work and you know some people might think oh right i need a I need a pint i need something mm. to to make to take me out of this moment and give me a, some temporary uh, time away from it for, with, you know so i can actually just feel like i can recuperate a bit but you can't be just in those moments going for a run because mm. you're doing your body good you're doing your mind good you come back and you you feel like a different person you'll have forgot all the troubles of that day and uh, and then you are you you're sort of refreshed to crack on in a weird way even though you might physically be slightly tired but you feel more refreshed mentally and you're ready to crack on mm. and it's just a, it's just such a wonderful thing and it's such an easy thing to to get into as well really like it might have its challenges at first but it doesn't really cost anything running, does it? No. That's another great thing about it. Get yourself a reasonable pair of trainers. Okay, you have to buy that. I mean, I've I've ran in. I spent a long time running in kit that wouldn't even be classed as running kit. Yeah. I just you know stuff that I had, and I still it's the same kit I've had for the last ten years as well. Like that's me being a classic vegan and just never yeah. buying anything new. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh,
1: you can you don't even have to run with a watch either. Sometimes I don't. Um, I do have a watch that I can link to Strava and things because I want to check distance, which I would say is, is useful to have, especially if you want to accurately measure a five k. But mm. if you don't, just get a really cheap watch, go do a local park run. Th- yeah. That'll be measured out for you. Um, pick a nice flat one if you want, try and get a good time, and um, job's done. It's as simple as that. It's great.
0: Park runs are great, like entry point, I think, for for folks. It's uh, you know, it feels nice and safe. Someone's measured out the distance for you. Uh, you know, it's all organised. You get a little, you know, a little kind of timer at the end to say what you've done. Is you know, you can do it again the next week. Meet people there. It's 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 a great entry point. I think I do I do like that as a uh, that organisation. I think they've done some good things in that space. Yeah,
1: yeah, I'm a big fan of power runs. I think they've got people out running, which which you know is brilliant. And there's a there's a community sense to it as well. I really like that mm. aspect. And, and people get so invested. My my father-in-law. I mean, he was uh, did over two hundred and fifty of them because he just wanted oh, wow. to get that t-shirt. Like, and he was he was so hooked on them, and he's, he's like sixty-seven now as well. So I was like, "No, oh, good on you for for doing yeah. that." That's really impressive. He used to travel around to them all as well. Like, they'd make a big thing about it. They'd go to different ones each Saturday. Like, it <laughs> yeah. was a huge, uh, like literally, it was it was all he was focused on for about two years. <laughs>
0: Talking of running at any age, and that is one of the benefits of it. I mean, we've also talked about price of entry and stuff. But I, I caught on your your Insta that you you'd been on a was it fifty k with a with a octogenarian, and that that whole story kind <laughs> of uh, interested me. Where, what what was what was going on there? Where did that come about?
1: Yeah, that I mean, so Paul Yude, who's is one of our ambassadors for running on plants. He's 85 years old and he's just such an inspiration. Uh, The things he's doing, he, he, so basically he went vegan in his, in his sixties. So he's a really great example of, you're never too old to change. Mm -hmm. So he's been vegan. um, He had arthritis really bad in his sixties. He went vegan and uh, I mean, pretty much in the first month is how he describes it. His arthritis just disappeared. He's had no pain with his arthritis since and he's 85 now. He took up running in his 80s. <laughs> wow. And yeah, he, he just, and then he just has all these crazy goals. I mean, he's he's trying to do a million press-ups and he's done about 700,000 so far, uh, which he's done over the past, I think, over the past five years or something. He just, every day he does press-ups. Uh, and then he took up running in his 80s, as I mentioned. He wants to do 100 ultras before he's 100 years old wow and I mean so he didn't he didn't just take up running he just thought I know what I'm going to jump in at the deep end and just start doing yeah. ultras why not and so <laughs> I I heard his story and I thought I i want to go and do something with this man he's uh, amazing and so we we did a 50k for the film so that's in. I could never go vegan uh, and me and him doing a 50k together which was awesome yeah, he's such a positive person as well like his, his mindset and his approach to life is incredible he just he it doesn't let anything phase him. Uh, and he recently just did a 106 kilometer challenge, which I shared a bit of a reel of that on the running on plants, Instagram and Facebook page. And he's, um, he's been picked up uh, last week by national press, which is great about his story and sort of promoting the campaign and things. So, um, which is amazing because the stuff he's doing is, I mean, I know people, you're talking almost half his age yeah, who can't do a 5k. No. Um, and like it's it's just a real testament to the power of plants, and also his approach to life and living an active lifestyle. And so, as basically, he was like honored to be an ambassador, which we were honored to have him. And we may be doing some other things this throughout this month. So you possibly will spot us around on various platforms, or maybe even TV. So that would be really cool because the more people that know about his story, the better.
0: That that's amazing, like. <laughs> what a guy what an inspiration and yeah hopefully uh for folks listening it's, uh uh you know it, it shows you there's no no real barrier to to getting involved whatever you want to do like you say whether you want to ride walk whatever uh, hopefully run uh, there's lots of great resources there. Before I, I let you go, Tom, you mentioned uh, when we had a crack at recording this the first time, but we've had various technical challenges, which uh, are all behind the the wizard's curtain, as it were, uh, hopefully now. Um, you, you mentioned that you you had some potential, you know, the 25% of other projects that you, that you work on the, that are, that are the non-vegan ones. And you mentioned uh, horror and the, and a, and a passion for that. Um, I watched the short that you made a while back for Father Time. Uh, like, like I said to you before we started, I, I'd love to see a feature length version of that. Um, you know, can you give us any insight as to into those projects that you're working on in that space? Yeah, absolutely. Um- I'm
1: a a big fan of horror, horror and heavy metal. They're like two <laughs> of my loves, <laughs> and um, yeah, I uh, I think uh, that stem was ready from uh, watching. Like, I remember watching Halloween when I was way too young to watch it, and yeah. <laughs> terrified and excited me. And from there on, I was like, oh yeah, this is great. <laughs> but we um, it, we we made Father Time just before COVID happened, actually and we had a, a a lot of success with that film we actually made it as a proof of concept shot because we wanted to make it as a mm-hmm. feature length version because we thought it would be perfect as a feature length film and we still absolutely plan on doing that uh, if we can we basically it's all about raising the funds for that now um, we we had a lot of success on the festival circuit We won loads of awards we were really thrilled with the outcome of how it did and um so that's kind of in the works but what i've got coming up um in the not too distant future, uh, actually towards the end of this year, we're going into production on a self-contained horror, which mm. is actually called, um, it's called Chasing the Devil. Uh, basically, it's like all set in one location and the location is uh, a pub or a bar. And um, it's it's kind of got a bit of a Agatha Christie vibe to it, where there's a room of a, a bunch of eclectic strangers, you know, people from all kinds of walks of life and they just start dropping dead. <laughs> and so right. it's about, you know, what, what's actually going on. It's, it's almost, it's effectively a, like a murder mystery horror all in one place, um, which has its advantages and its uh, difficulties, I will say, but really excited to, to get basically to get that moving. Cause we're, we've got the green light on that now. Well, we'll be going into production at, towards the end of the year and it should be quite a quick turnaround. Um, and it, I'll tell you, it'll be so much easier than making, I could never go vegan. I know that.
0: <laughs> oh, sign me up. That sounds incredible. Can't wait, can't wait to see that one. Murder mystery plus horror, self-contained. I love that, the whole premise. That's awesome. No, I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, Tom, it's been, uh, been great chatting to you. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I encourage everyone to get on the Running running on Plants um, uh, Insta and the the socials and so on and follow the website uh, sign up um, we'll put all the links in the show notes so folks can can know about that and also links to uh, I Could Never Go Vegan uh, Insta and the website so folks can stay up to date with uh, the release date hopefully soon fingers crossed uh, but Tom it's been an absolute pleasure thanks so much
1: yeah thank you for having me I've loved chatting with you sir. I'm very grateful thank you
0: Cheers, Tom. <laughs>